Previously on Film Code, Nathan has expanded his lead to unreachable heights. Now with a four-point, The lead. Tree of Life, uh, written and directed by Terrence Malick, uh, 2011, and stars Brad Pitt, who was in the Oceans trilogy. That's what I got. The Tree of Life. Nathan Tell. The answer, which it just, you know, I, I, Nick and I talked about this movie like a month ago, so it's a little bit fresh on the brain. And then when I saw that Richard Linklater directed this, and well, it's Ethan Hawke was in it, who was in the Before trilogy, and that movie's Boyhood, which is all about growth. Oh. <laughs> 2014's Boyhood is the answer. Will anyone be able to halt his progress this week as Phoenix gives us his brand new code hey, word? So, your code word is Espanol. Your clues. clues are between 2000 and 2010. Your other clue is that it features a problematic director. One more clue is uh features an actor who was in phase two of the mcu and it's finally here after years of waiting it's zack snyder's justice league what did the guys think of this reimagined epic and the guys dive in to what will be their most anticipated MCU shows on Disney Plus. All that and more on this week's episode of Film Code. You are now Film Code. Start program. It is a beautiful day to be talking about such a cinematic experience. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Film Code. Today we are talking Zack Snyder's Justice League. I can't believe I'm saying that after all the crap this movie's been through. Can't wait to dive into this. Luckily, we've got the full cast today, so so excited, so excited to talk about it with these guys. Sitting right next to me, Nick. Nick, what's up? Doing well. Super excited to be back for another show. Last week, we were talking OU men's basketball making it to the tournament. Today, we're talking as they beat Virginia. They're playing tomorrow. Super excited about that. Ohio representing. Woo! Yes, sir. We are so thrilled about that, Woo! our school. Uh, maybe not at the time you're listening to this, but at least at the time of us recording with a pretty big win. It is March. Phoenix, how you doing? Welcome back to the show, sir. I am superb, like you guys just mentioned. Uh, Ohio men's basketball beating the Virginia Cavaliers, which is insane. So super congratulations to those guys. Uh, it is a bright and early Sunday morning, and I am just barely waking up about 20 minutes ago. So I am super excited to get into everything that we are going to talk about today. But not for lack of preparation, that's for Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. All right. Last but certainly not least, Brandon, we're so happy to have you back. 
What's up, man? Man, it's good to be back. Um, I, I I don't watch basketball, so I can't really follow up in the, follow up in the hype that you guys just uh, displayed. But but um, it's good to be back. I'm excited to talk about the Justice League. It, like you mentioned, it, it's hard to believe that we're actually at this point where we're able to talk about the Snyder Cut. Because <laughs> like for the longest time, we're all like. No, it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. Uh, they're not gonna release it. And then it really, then they released it, and then we got to see it. So I'm excited to dive into it with you guys. Absolutely. So we are talking Zack Snyder's Justice League today. It is on HBO Max. In case you have um, not seen it yet, due to the mammoth of a runtime, or you just haven't been able to get around to it, we are gonna talk real quick about our non-spoiler review, and then we will make it very clear when we're going to break that seal and talk spoilers. Uh, Before we really get into it, I would love to just highlight real quick why this Snyder Cut even exists, what it is. I feel like most of you who are listening to this already know, but for the people out there who who may be listening that don't know, I just want to provide a little bit of background. So Zack Snyder, director of Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, was hired to direct Justice League, which is obviously just kind of like the Avengers, but with the DC characters. Um, So the studio, Warner Brothers, saw the success of the MCU, saw the success of Deadpool, and thought, man, Zach, really his, his kind of vision and his style doesn't really match the success of Deadpool and the MCU, which is humor based superhero movies so they wanted to aim for that first of all they wanted zach to aim for a more light-hearted more funny storyline um so that started the studio kind of mandating certain things unfortunately um zach snyder's daughter lost her battle that she was fighting so he had to step away from the project to take care of that and, and grieve and rightfully so And instead of waiting for Snyder to do what he needed to do, come back fully ready to to finish the project, instead, Warner Brothers wanted to meet their deadline and brought in Joss Whedon, who directed The Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron, which seemed like a a, a good pick given Justice League and The Avengers are similar, but it was ultimately just maybe the worst pick ever. And that led to a lot of reshoots, a lot of rewrites. Joss Whedon would publicly make fun of Zack Snyder's uh, vision and his cut. So Joss Whedon pretty much rewrote the whole thing. Ray Fisher and other actors have come out saying that he abused them on set and he was not a good director. All of this ultimately led to more Warner Brothers mandates. It has to be under two hours. It has to be this. It has to be that. So Joss pretty much made a whole new movie and put it out. So 2017 Justice League comes out. It gets horrible reviews. Uh, Zack Snyder is still credited as the director for that movie, but it was honestly Joss Whedon's movie. Awful reviews by critics, awful reviews by audience. And Zack Snyder pretty much said, this is not my movie. My movie was not used. Only a few shots, a few scenes were used in the 2017 version. So that started a group of people very passionate, wanted to get the Snyder Cut, which is where that name comes from, his director's cut. So then in May of 2020, during the height of the pandemic, 
Warner Brothers announced that they would be bringing Snyder back on to complete his vision and complete the film. So with all that said, we finally watched it. We're finally here. Hopefully that provided a little bit of backstory for those of you who are unaware. But we all knew that. So let's kick it off. Let's charging bull and don't wave the red cape at it. You were sent here for a reason. And even if it takes you the rest of your life, find out what that reason is. said the age of heroes will never come again. Let's start with Phoenix. What were your non-spoiler thoughts on the Snyder Cut? Uh, this boy is long, okay? It's long as hell. Um, it is four hours long. And uh, while I think it is paced pretty well, it is still a noticeable four hours. Uh, but at the same time, it doesn't drag. Like, it really doesn't drag. And you... the. The thing that was missing from the 2017 version was the scale that that Justice League should be on. And so it was nice to finally get that scale back. You know what I'm saying? Despite its its meaty runtime and and truthfully, a lot of even a lot of this could have been cut. It's great stuff, but it still could have been cut. Um, But yeah, it was uh, it was extraordinarily long but really well paced. The scale is, is, is mighty. It is, it is a mighty scale and it, and it does a lot of things really well. So overall, I was pleased with it. I do have a lot of issues with it, but we'll get into that in a second, but overall I was pleased. All right, Brandon, what do you think? I'm going to have to follow what Phoenix said. I'm overall pleased. I actually typed up my thoughts um, about the weed and cut. So, um, so my thoughts about the weeding cut was like, 
what we got the foundation for every scene was there essentially in the like that like every scene that was in the Snyder cut had a little bit of a foundation in the weeding cut but like since it was limited to the two-hour runtime all the meat and potatoes the skin and bones were missing and they literally only gave us the main event for every scene so literally they they gave us these scenes without a reason to care about the characters in that moment or the anything that's going on at the moment so not diving into any spoilers here but they really flushed out every scene and it made so much better for a viewing experience i overall enjoyed it i i'm I, i'm trying to catch my tongue so i don't say anything spoiler wise but overall i really enjoyed this um it the weeden cut should not have existed mainly because of just how like i went back and watched a few scenes of the weeden cut i'm like how did this make it into a movie mm. Mm. How, how like you you completely rewrote some characters and you Ray Fisher got screwed over in the weeding cut and he got his justice in this one. So I am so excited for that. But overall, I'm excited for I'm excited to see how the future of the DCEU goes now because of what happened towards the ending, but I'm not gonna talk about that just yet. But oh my god, I'm excited for the future of this DCEU now. So Zack Snyder's Justice League. Good, good. All right, Nick. I already know how you feel, but enlighten the rest of the world. Yeah. So I'll I'll go off a little bit of what Brandon was saying on my OG thoughts on the the original <laughs> Justice League. Is that uh, it was a complete mess. The story was a complete mess. <clears throat> um, the runtime sucked. The I really wasn't a fan of Ben Affleck as Batman. Um, the dialogue was awkward. The humor was too much, especially the Flash. The Flash was annoying. Mm-hmm. And all those were issues that were pretty much fixed in in this cut of the movie. Um, to Phoenix's point, I don't know if, if any four hours flies by unless you're <laughs> you're sleeping. So, um, yeah, it, it felt like four hours, but it, I was never like, oh, my God, when is this going to end type of four hours. Right. Exactly. Yeah, you weren't bored. It, that's what made it good for a four-hour runtime. You weren't bored. Yep. Phoenix uh, is gonna love the first thing I say here. I used to hate Ben Affleck's Batman. <laughs> I no longer hate Ben Affleck's Batman. Actually, this was before I watched Justice League. Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, my roommate and I actually watched the ultimate edition of batman v superman different character they give batman real motivations in that movie and i really like him now christian bale is still my favorite actor he's still the reason i love batman so not saying ben affleck's the best but i no longer hate ben affleck as batman i am a supporter of his i will say one thing that will never change my opinion about ben affleck's batman though is i hate his suit his suit is so ugly that is not his. That's not his fault, though. That's not his fault. He's a great Batman. He's a great Bruce Wayne. The suit's got to change. So, oh, oh no, that that suit at the end of the uh, at the end of this one, I don't know if it's different, but it was, it was nice. It was nice. So, as far as <laughs> my thoughts on just the original Justice League, it's bad, right? Oof. It's very bad. <laughs> but I think. I had a lot more fun with it than a lot of people. Like I don't get me wrong. It's awful. I'm saying that now, 
but I would rather watch that. I, I would have more fun watching that than some three and a half and even some four movies that I've given. Like it's simply more entertaining and more fun than um, certain certain movies. You know, like it, it just is. So I've always thought that that saves it a little bit, but absolutely, it's got problems all over the place. So this was absolutely needed. As far as the Zack Snyder version. You could tell right off the bat that this is a completely different movie. Tonally, dialogue-wise, you can tell right off the bat. And do I think it necessarily needed to be four hours? Mm, no, it really didn't. I think that you cross this fine line of wanting to balance out certain characters and flesh them out and give them their backstories, but also have other characters that don't even need to be in the movie. I think there's this this weird balancing act there. Um, we'll get into all of that, but as far as my overall thoughts, blown away. Um, I'm, I'm glad this was a thing. I'm glad we got to experience it. And above all, this is such an accomplishment for cinema and for movies that we were able to see two people's vision for the same project. Mm-hmm. And that in and of itself is, is incredible. So we're going to break the seal right now. We are talking spoilers for Zack Snyder's Justice League. So if you are still listening and haven't seen it, now's your chance to click away because we are talking spoilers. So if you're still here, you're cool with us talking spoilers. Brandon, I'd love to hear your thoughts uh, to kick us off. Okay, diving into spoilers, the very first thing I want to touch on is how different Barry Allen is as the Flash in this. Thank God. He was such a cringe mess in the yes. Whedon cut. Yes. This one, like, especially like the say, you know, the, you remember the save one person scene? Yeah. Where he's like, I don't like insects. I don't like big guys either. And then this time, like he sees the danger. He's like, all right, I got this. I'll run and save everybody. <laughs> like, how, how do you mess up a character that bad? Yeah. Like, I get, I get they wanted to put humor in there but like that scene where he's like also where he's like running around the bat cave it's a bat cave (laughs) i i i I kind of expect that scene to be in here and it wasn't i'm like thank god or the brunch yeah the brunch it's like what is uh, breakfast and lunch and then it it was just used for a cringy scene in the end credit scene of the weeding cut it was so stupid, but I'm so glad that they saved his character. I'm so glad they gave us more screen time with him and his dad. I gave yeah. us the. I'm glad they gave us the, the the scene of him applying for a job and seeing the danger out there. Like mm-hmm. that, we didn't get that in the wing cut. We we didn't real. We didn't, they didn't give us a reason to care for Barry Allen at all in that cut. Yeah, I, they gave I us. I agree with you more, Brandon. That was one of my biggest gripes with this movie is that you're trying to convey this tone of saving the world and all these superheroes combining now i get i get some people have out loud sense of humors but they took this to a completely different level in the original exactly. movie so much so that every time that he was on screen it just sucked me right out of the movie <laughs> and that was the mm-hmm. only thing that i focused on it was a complete change a complete 180 and the one thing that i will say right now is that watching this movie in my head i don't know how many times i said to myself 
this is crazy mm-hmm. that they shot this and didn't put this in the first time. This yeah. is crazy. Like, it's insane. Like, you would have thought it's that criminal. they would have gone back and reshot all these, but no, they were already shot. It just blows me away that that they shot all these scenes but didn't use them. It's just crazy. And I think they were able to communicate well that Flash was still a kid and that the moment was, I don't want to say too big for him, but he was at least inexperienced in these moments, whereas maybe Cyborg was the only other hero that didn't necessarily have experience with fighting beings like this or or at least fighting bad guys at all in in this capacity um and and they communicated that well enough especially you know one scene that comes to mind that i think would be realistic if you know we had superheroes Mm -hmm. is when they're talking to commissioner gordon and they all do the batman thing where they're all gone (laughs) and Mm -hmm. he's like oh they just all left Mm -hmm. Okay, How see, rude. Like, <laughs> I think too. I think that's so realistic. Like that's a way to communicate that he's inexperienced, that he's still learning, that he's the young one of the group. But it wasn't cringe. It wasn't like, yeah, let me Spike Lee style shove it down your throat that he's cringe. Yeah, um, I I got a comment on that. Like the difference between the 2017 version and this when it comes to Flash's character is day and night. Like not only do we not have the overt humor, like, you know, the overt cringe humor from his character, but it's still funny. You know what I'm saying? He still manages moments to have humor. They're there. Mm-hmm. You know, when he saves the girl and he also grabs a hot dog, that's hilarious. When he, uh, when he's, when they're, uh, when he's talking with Cyborg and he's looking at Wonder Woman, he's like, uh, you ever think she'd go for an, a younger guy? And he's like, she's 5,000 years old, bro. Everyone's younger than her. Like, that's great humor. You know what I'm saying? It it didn't have to be over the top. It didn't have to be, you know, super like, oh, I just, you know, I just run around and push people. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? It didn't have to be that. So, like, it, it was still great. And he was still unique. And he was still, like, you felt like he belonged, even though, you know what I'm saying, he was the youngest one of the group. Well, I want to touch on something as well, is our second ever episode of Film Code, Mm -hmm. we reviewed the 2017 version of Justice League. That was forever ago, if you want to go back and find it. (laughs) We've grown a lot since then, but nonetheless, there's some decent content in there. Um, The reason we covered 2017's Justice League back then was because of the news of the Snyder Cut. So here we are, but in that episode specifically, I remember we all chanting like a like a tribe. Justice for Cyborg. Justice for <laughs> Cyborg, exactly. And this Snyder Cut did exactly that. It was Justice for Cyborg. He wasn't just some guy that got operated on that is now half a robot and mm-hmm. somehow knows everything. He... He actually got character development, and this is the best character in this individual movie for me personally, because we see his relationship with his father, with his mother. We see how his whole life was taken from him. We see how he's so smart and knows all about these mother boxes and about Mm -hmm. Steppenwolf and how to change everything. It's, It's just so refreshing to see a character actually... I hate to just reuse the word fleshed out, but that's truly what it is. Like he's given backstory. He's given motivations. 
we see real character arcs with Cyborg more than anyone else in this movie because yes. he goes from just sitting in his apartment, standing in his apartment, being just vengeful at the world and hating his father and then turns everything around to eventually helping saving the world and they couldn't have done it without him. So, man, just what a rebound for Cyborg. If Snyder actually ever watched Wheaton's cut, <laughs> I I don't I think he would have absolutely been disgusted by Cyborg specifically, disgusted by all of it, but that had to have been near the top of the list. Justice yep. for Cyborg. I loved him. I loved his dad. I loved um his his dad's motivations too. That's the other yeah. thing is that he's Cyborg is so vengeful at his dad, but his dad was just trying to save him. Like that's mm-hmm. the thing. He's all he did was try to save his son and he did that. So I just love that dynamic. I love that it it puts you in between a rock and a hard place where you feel for for Cyborg himself because of what he's dealing with now, but you also understand where his dad is coming from. So um, I've been talking for a while, so I'm going to stop, but I, I had to bring up right. Cyborg. Quick question, a little touch on Cyborg a little bit more. Did they ever explain to us in the weeding cut why Cyborg needed to become Cyborg? Or did they just glance over it and say, oh, you're, he's dying, I got to turn him into a Cyborg? No, like, uh, like, like the, the, the 2017 version. And I think that's why we were, were chanting justice for cyborg is because so much of that story revolves around him. And so much of the 2017 version almost had nothing to do with him. So like, it's insane. And like, I, I saw Ray Fisher's, uh, uh, like response to this and he was just like, Oh my God, it's so much better. And I was like, now I see why he, he, he feels that way. Like, cause he actually mm-hmm. got like, and you said like, they didn't have to reshoot this. These were already shot. So you mean to tell me this entire storyline that he had was already done and they didn't use it. That's un that's unbelievable. And like, he was insane. The, like, you know how many times I said through this movie, like, Oh my God, that is so much better. Like, like, <laughs> so much better there are so many scenes where i was like i was worried that like they're gonna keep what what uh joss whedon did in in the first one i was like oh man i hope they don't do that and so many scenes they 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 went like a a step above and it was just so much better but uh like cyborg i like i can't talk enough about how good this character was developed in this movie exactly like cyborg was so so good like that scene where he's listening to the tape recorder and he's pretty much discovering what he is and how he can function and all of that oh that like that that scene right there just made the movie it was just so much better to get this understanding of who this character is especially because i believe correct me if i'm wrong but this is the first time we've ever seen live action cyborg, correct? Like, like even in like uh, even in like 2017 Justice League, that, like that was the first yeah. time we got live action cyborg. So I'm like, yeah, because we didn't get them in Titans, yeah, right. Yeah. So I'm like, this is the first time we're actually really exploring this character, and you didn't have this, like, 
like how do, how do you not have this so like I mean, his his dynamic with his father not only is is cool to see but it's integral to the movie right it's integral like yeah cyborg like i said stay he he's a character that just stands around in his house and is mad at the world it's almost a shame to go outside because of his appearance and he ends up saving the world he ends up you know we are talking spoilers so mm. when his dad dies because he attempts to like shoot the box and he realizes it's like no this wasn't he wasn't trying to destroy it he was trying to warn us like mm-hmm. that whole thing that's integral to the plot um, we'll definitely have a segment about changes we loved, but I will say we've talked about cyborg. We've talked about flash. There's one big character in my mind that was totally revamped. And we could talk about how Batman was a lot cooler. Like everyone was different. Let's, let's make that clear. Everyone was different, but right. please say Steppenwolf. As far as the big three to change, it was cyborg. It was flash. And it was Stefan Wolf big time. Yes. Stefan Wolf went from just the most basic third grade plot line for a <laughs> villain, motivation villain ever. I want to blow up the world. I want to take over the world. To having real motivations to to seeing kind of like kind of like Ronin Thanos in Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. He had a real motivation. He was actually a badass specifically when he would go and acquire the mother boxes, he would actually have to fight for them. We Mm -hmm. would see him in action. It wouldn't just be, he shows up, takes it and dips like, especially with the Amazons. Like he actually fought them for like 15 minutes (laughs) and he went in the water and you, you got to see the struggle of him actually acquiring these boxes instead of just showing up and taking them. Stefan Wolf, in my mind, crowns the not crowns, but rounds out the trio of completely revamped characters. Mm-hmm. What are you guys thoughts? on? Yeah, that? It, it, totally. Um, like like that, that was another thing I mentioned, like when I was talking about the leading cut is the meat and potatoes, skin and bones are missing, mm-hmm. especially for Stefan Wolf. Like, like we just mentioned about him, like, them showing him actually having to struggle to get those mother boxes. Those are the meat and potatoes, skin and bones right there. You completely glanced over that in the Whedon cut because you just have him go in, fight for like two minutes and get it. You can't just, you can't do that for your main baddie, your main bad guy leading up the dark side. That's, that's just not possible. So I'm so glad they kept it the, the route they did. Um, and just overall, they, like Nathan said, they completely fixed Steppenwolf. Even his character design, they made him look like a PS2 oh. character. Yeah. To like something like next gen. Like, I can't like, tell you he how... He showed up like... Yeah. I can't tell you how impressed I was with the look of Steppenwolf from the original. Like, especially there's a scene, I, I can't remember if it, if it happens in the Amazon or if it happens later, but like there's a wide shot of him so you get to see his full body who I think it's that I think it's when he's uh interrogating the Atlanteans and I mean like dude is massive like the look of him is ridiculous and then he's got these like spikes and chains that keep like coming out and going back in I mean his look is beautiful it is it is so amazingly improved from what we got in 2017 it's ridiculous 
Um, dude looks amazing. His motivation is all oh, it's beautiful. Like the wanting to serve dark side and, and knowing how powerful dark side is and doing everything he can to redeem himself. He has an arc that almost makes him sympathetic. Like that, that's what I'm like. He was great. Steppenwolf was so dramatically improved in this movie. It's ridiculous. Loved it. Just, just incredible. But I have to talk about two scenes, two scenes in particular that, uh, you want to talk about just not just improved. I mean, like fixed, like literally fixed. When we first did this in uh, in our second episode, uh, these were the two scenes that I noticed that that we picked out. And the first was um, the Superman fight scene where after, you know, saying that Superman beats up everybody and he leaves in the middle of that. Uh, Steppenwolf just comes and grabs <laughs> grabs the box and leaves like that was the whole that was the whole scene and in this one i was so scared because it was following the same beat points as 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 the 2017 version i was so scared that that was going to happen again like it was gonna be oh no oh no he's just gonna show up and leave and then he shows up and it's a struggle and then we involve the dad and it's such a better such a better storyline and it works and it fits into the plot and it makes sense in the story i was just like oh my god you can't tell me like we we, we threw a lot of shit at chris terrio <laughs> for for that scene and i was like is it like was this the original was this how it was originally written and it got changed to this because then that's that's one thing but like if this was not the original story my god what a what a waste but that that was dramatically improved. The same thing I have to say when um when uh Wonder Woman and uh, Cyborg meet, you know, he's messing with the computer or whatever. And like in the Joss Whedon version, they have this full conversation on a computer. I'm like, what? And in this one, yeah. he's just like, meet me here. They go and they have a real serious conversation and it's beautiful. And she's talking about, you know, losing Steve Trevor. And I'm like, Yes, yes, so much better. Talk about dramatically improving. Just, I mean, I don't know if this is how it was originally written and they changed it, but these were dramatic improvements to the original and so, so much better. So, so Mm -hmm. much better. Yeah, something I want to touch on, something like that is um, when they're talking about bringing Superman back, there was a moment where, in in the Whedon cut, Flash Barry Allen just says another cringe dialogue scene where they're like talking about the mother box power conversing. She's like, So you mean we can bring a certain someone back to life? But in this one, they're all gathered around a table. They're like, I think we're all thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. We need to do it. And then Cyborg just uses his holographic eye to show Superman. I'm like, it's way better than them to just going, Oh, yeah, what if we just brought him back? <laughs> mm. It's a thousand times better, and they made it. Be- they made it so much more believable. The tone, the tone changed a, a great deal in this movie yeah. from from the previous one. Mm-hmm. Something I do want to touch on is um, when Cyborg loses his dad. I don't remember that scene in the weeding cut because I'm pretty sure they didn't have it. Because didn't they just he just dropped down and grabbed the the mother box while they weren't protecting it or something. Yes. This one, they made it work because his dad sabotaged the cube 
while sacrificing himself. The single, and, the single worst thing about the Wheaton cut is <laughs> when they are fighting Superman and the box is just sitting on a car and Stephanie uh-huh. shows up, takes it, and they're like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> but so you're right. They didn't have it. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, like, it's so dumb that, like, essentially every Snyder cut, every Snyder scene that was in the original was the, were the only parts that were good, with the exception of, like, two or three and, scenes. Like, you can, like, they didn't do a CGI mustache like remove a CGI mustache in this. They didn't have those scenes to, to where like even in the beginning, even in the opening, where like you don't have that weird cringy interview with Superman. He's like, "What's your favorite part about Earth?" And then it cuts. You have Superman dying as your opening, and how his death echoes throughout the universe. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about that nightmare scene then. Yes, the one at the end. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, something that we have to touch on is I don't think we can touch on that without mentioning Cyborg's vision when he was bringing Superman back to life. Go ahead. Because I think those two go those two go hand in hand. Go I mean, ahead. I just I just want to say like okay like at that point like we're we're what three and a half hours in and I'm like oh my god like this is like the sixth ending I'm like Jesus Christ in this movie already. But it was so good. And um, on top of that, um, I was thinking the entire time, like, this is great. This is this is really great. This is a, an, an amazing improvement. No doubt about it. But I was like, this is this is this is a satisfying conclusion of what Zack Snyder has built. But it was that scene that I was like, oh, God, no, please let him do the next movie. Please, please, God, let him continue. Like, like because. I mean, this was this was so good. Like, I've never, I mean, never been a fan of Jared Leto's uh, Joker. And I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. That's yeah, that that's that's the one I want. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was good. I mean, scary, yes. good, scary, good. Like and. I, I I just I loved it. This it was the scene that said, "Please." I I seen the hashtag restore the Snyderverse. I was never on board with it. I'm on board with it. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Something something I want to touch on is when Cyborg's having that vision. You see Superman holding Lois Lane dead in his arms. Mm. So it takes you back to when when we cut to the nightmare scene at the end. You see Flash in his futuristic suit that you see in Batman vs Superman when Barry tries to visit Bruce saying Lois Lane is the key it all goes hand in hand because like even Bruce Wayne makes mention of he's like when he's talking to Wonder Woman Wonder Woman's just like yeah it's just it's just a way I wonder if it's just a way back to his heart he's like no like that might have been it for then but I still think there's something more because I don't he's like I don't remember this Barry Allen Mm mm-hmm so it's frightening to see how this is going to continue because you want the best for these characters. You want them to succeed. But after that aftermath, that little dystopia scene that we got, we are not getting there. Dark side is going to murder so many people <laughs> and they're not going to, they're not going to MCU it, bring them back like that. Because like you straight up 
oft Aquaman on scene. You, Diana Prince is having like getting buried at a funeral. Mm. You have Deathstroke who just found out Bruce's real identity, going from that to actually teaming up with him because of how bad things got. Mm. You have Cyborg just like full beast mode. You have Superman laying waste to the entire freaking earth. And then you have Batman who doesn't kill getting to his breaking point saying, I will f- you Joker. <laughs> After this is all over, I will f- you. I love it. So I love that they actually made the, the flash sequence and flash coming to Bruce Wayne in a dream in BVS actually matter. Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing for me. Is whenever these movie franchises or TV shows leave, leave these breadcrumbs that don't go anywhere, sound of metal, sound of metal. And of course, especially with a TV show or a movie franchise, it's easy to do that because you don't want every little thing you tease to become something. But something as big as that Flash nightmare sequence or the Flash coming to him in the future. Um, I'm just glad they actually made that relevant. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about how I think... Okay, I'm going to show you... I, this just came up on my Twitter feed. Uh, Barry Allen getting ready to reverse time. Can we talk about how this is going to start creating Flashpoint paradoxes? Because mm. Joker even mentions that. like He's like, how many different timelines, different universes, have you not let yourself die and let everyone else die except you? Mm. I think that Barry Allen is going to be the key to this because I think he's going to reverse time so many times to where it's unfixable unless they have that truce card with Joker and have to go back in time to talk to previous Joker to try and keep him from doing something to Lois Lane to save. It's going to be interesting to see how this future goes, but Barry Allen reversing time worked in this film and I wish they did it in in the previous one. 100%. 100%. So we're definitely going to get more. We're going to get. We're going to have a, a lot more uh, flashpoint paradoxes, I think, especially in his flash film. And that's that's the thing I really liked about this was that it opened up so many doors to the future of the DC EU, right? Which mm-hmm. which I feel like was their, their their biggest issue when it came to their previous films is they didn't leave enough room for their other films to go in, right? So like. Like, I hate to compare the two, right? Because they're two, to, two totally different uh, franchises. But the beautiful thing in Marvel was no matter what film it was, right? Whether it was a, you know, a part of the greater cinematic universe or it was a one-off, you know what I'm saying, story. Like, they made sure to leave enough breadcrumbs that could build into something else, right? So, like, and that to me, I'm like, that's the only thing that that missed in the DCU was like, okay, we here we have this great story, but now you don't build any hyper anticipation for what's to come. The thing about this one that they did that was extraordinarily really well done was how many different uh, like pieces that they left out there that could go in in so many different re- different directions. You got Deathstroke mm-hmm. knowing who who Batman really is. You got um, you know what I'm saying? You got the whole, the Joker, that whole, that whole scenario. You got the whole injustice scenario. Like there's so many different ways to go. You got dark side. Like, I'm like, 
there's so much that that could be pulled and and like that has my excitement like oh which way can they go and what can happen next that that's like you know what i'm saying like all of that came from this one movie which i'm like you didn't do any of this <laughs> in the previous like nine that you had but mm-hmm. yeah like this really built on what i believe could be the future of the dceu and i hope i hope it's bright man i really do i really want these guys to to succeed and have great content because you know i'm saying the 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 more great content dc provides more great content marvel provides the better we all are so that's where i'm at with it exactly i'm just i i just wish that wb came to their senses four years ago and realized, hey, we can't just constrict this into a two-hour time mm-hmm. frame and have somebody take over as director when the film's almost done. Like, they should have given. And I mean, and I mean, like, look, if 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 Zack Snyder had walked into my office with this four-hour cut of the movie, even I would have said, like, hey, bro, like, nah, like at least forty percent of this has to go. You know what I'm saying? Like, exactly, but at least, like. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, it was good stuff. Don't get me wrong. It's good stuff. But I would be like, uh, I don't know if we need all of that. I don't know if we need all of it. Yeah, I, I, I get where you're coming from. I, they just couldn't. There was no way that they could have constructed it into two hours like this. Um, especially considering how much different the two-hour cut was. W, like from what, from what I was reading, WB made them put it to two hours because they wanted to put more butts in seats, more money. So I get there it. You, it just shows that they but don't care about this. I think I think even if it was three hours, you, you'd have still gotten I think you'd have still gotten uh, a, a decent amount because like, I mean, the difference is it wasn't it wasn't they were they were aiming for the Avengers and what they should have been aiming for was Avengers Endgame <laughs> because yeah. that's what this movie uh, was essentially. You know what I'm saying? I know it's the first team up of the Justice League. You know what I'm saying? So you're thinking like Avengers, but I mean, this is a, a large scale epic. Like, you know what I'm saying? This, like, you should have been looking at this like if we never do another movie, right? If we never do another DCU movie, could this culminate into a, a massive finish? And that's, that's what they should have been aiming for. So, like, for me, uh, yeah, I think you could have shot for three hours and still been fine. And you, you would have had a lot of good stuff still there. Like I said, like I said, I still would have cut about 40% of it of, of what we eventually got. But there was a lot there was a lot there. Yeah. I just went back and looked at Steppenwolf's death scene and the weeding cut. What a joke. They had just <laughs> the random those bug things turn on them. Yeah. But in this cut. Diana straight up beheads him yes. and leaves his decapitated head right at Steppenwolf, uh, Darkseid's feet. What, what a change. Yeah. What a massive change that is right there. Yeah. Like, and, and we talk about characters who improved. Uh, for me, Superman improved, like, dramatically. Like, mm-hmm. I love how when he shows up, he just goes not impressed like it just destroys his axe and whoops his ass like the thing i hated about the first one was like okay like number one like you didn't give steppenwolf any backstory or anything 
And then Superman just comes and, and dusts him in like two minutes, right? You know what I'm saying? Just mm-hmm. like dismisses everything. Like, no, it's, it's the easiest thing in the world. And I hated that. But when in this one, not only does he do it, but it's a little bit harder. And he's a badass, bro. Like, like I've never thought that Superman was a badass. He is a badass in this movie. Like, so mm-hmm. badass. Not impressed. Breaks his axe. And, I mean, beats his ass. Like, like I've never seen anyone get their ass whooped like that. That was impressive. Like, Superman jumped from being like, eh, you know what I'm saying? In my mind to being like, oh, oh, oh this dude can fight. Like, like yeah. it was it, it was a dramatic improvement, and I've really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, you remember um, someone they changed as well as Lois Lane. Oh God! Because yes. she just went, she just Ooh. went right back to work in the Whedon cut. She, had, but this one shows that she hasn't been back since Superman died. She's like, mm. how can I go back? And it takes another character that gets brought in and introduced that wasn't even mentioned in the other one, Martian Manhunter. Yeah, he brings Lois back to the light, and then turns out towards the end, Lois is actually pregnant. Mm. I don't know if you guys noticed that. Um, they changed the scene around. I was looking at something, and uh, when Bruce talks to Clark after saying, oh, yeah, he's like, how did you get it back from the bank? I bought the bank. That right. scene was funny. And then right after, he says, congrats, by the way, and his mom is holding, like, baby stuff. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, I, I, I didn't pick up on it because, like, when they first showed the, the pregnancy test, I'm like, interesting. I'm interested to see where this goes. Maybe she just had it in there. And then it cuts to that where they're actually going, oh, yeah, this pregnancy test meant something. And she is now pregnant, which actually leads up to um, Lois and Clark's um, kid, who was actually really super freaking powerful. (laughs) Right. Right. Uh, Yeah. You mentioned Martian Manhunter. That was not. not, I'm sorry. I'll get to that in a second. Um, Lois Lane. Who you want to talk about a dramatic improvement like in the in in the 2017 version, I think we all collectively was like she was just a she was a little bit uh, obnoxious and and kind of annoying a little bit yeah a little bit what are you talking about just she's like she's all get out oh it's just awful and i was like i was like the entire time i was like please let this change please let her like like the first scene she shows up in i was like oh god no i was like i'm like please let there be some difference in this character oh just like again I don't know i don't know if zach snyder watched the justice uh the uh joss whedon version um, but I think if he did, he, he felt our pain. Cause he was like, whoo, wow. Like I gotta fix this. Cause, uh, yes, her, her character toned down a great, great deal. Right. A great deal. Mm-hmm. And, and was purposeful. Like that was the whole thing. She was purposeful. And what I find hilarious is yes, this movie's four hours and the 2017 version is two hours. And yet I could watch this three or four more times before I would rewatch uh, the 2017 version because mm-hmm. the, the, there's more purpose in these characters. It's paced better. The story works a ton better. 
it's just so much smarter and more effortless. It, it flows. It has a really unique vision uh, than, than that first one. That first one is so, so, so bad. Like, <laughs> it is so bad just because nothing really ties together. The characters don't tie together. The scene doesn't tie together. I mean, the only thing, the only thing from the 2017 version that I wish was kept in this, in the Zack Snyder version is the line that Superman says to Batman where he says, you won't let me live. You won't let me die. You won't let me die. Yeah. That's the only thing that you, you could have kept from the 2017 version. Yeah. Like, if only they didn't use the CGI mustache oh, part God. for that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I like even I forgot to mention this. I'm so glad they didn't include the scene where Bruce is like, "Oh, yep, something is definitely bleeding." Yeah, That's so stupid. <laughs> you just finished fighting one of the most powerful people, and he's like, "I can get that." Like, it's a funny line, but Batman doesn't say that. No, <laughs> no. And like, I can understand if you had Barry Allen say that because mm-hmm. it would have worked. All right, Bruce Wayne? No. <laughs> and what they do with uh with in that scene that is actually funny is when Superman tosses uh Flash into Aquaman, and then when it's all over, Aquaman just looks at him and goes, <laughs> and "Like that, now that was great." Like again, you can have humor; it just has to work. And like, there's so many, so many great humor humor parts in this movie, but. We started mm-hmm. talking about it. I gotta. I definitely gotta talk about it. Ben Affleck as Batman is so damn good. It makes me mad that we won't get him anymore as Batman. Like he was great as Batman. Great. Okay. One of the things that I love, like I, I used to shit all over Christian Bale for the whole I'm Batman like type of voice or whatever. Right, you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, ugh, I hate it. But in this version, he does a similar thing. But the one thing I noticed, and this is the thing that I've always liked about Ben Affleck's Batman, is that his Batman is more cartoon accurate than any other one that I've seen. And by that, I mean, like, he's closer to the, the Justice League animated series version of Batman than any other any other Batman that I've seen. And I'm like, and listen, I love the Justice League animated series. That's one of my favorite, favorite cartoons ever. Um, and and he's so good at it. And that voice, perfect. It works for that character. Just everything about it is is great. Ben Affleck's Batman was was fantastic. Top three, in my opinion, all time. I just got to say that. Yeah, like... I, I want to mention something that because like you did say, like you said, he's more like this Justice League, like his like animated series version. Mm-hmm. Animated series version knows how to kill Superman. And I think Bruce having that nightmare, I think that's going to lead to him trying to figure out how he can kill every all of his counterparts if they turn on him. Mm-hmm. I the Because he... Well, Bruce almost had... Clark dead to rights in Batman vs Superman. If it weren't for him saying Martha, <laughs> he was gonna murder him. Which I mean is an awful scene, but okay, <laughs> it is. But yeah, it's definitely awful. Um, <laughs> you guys talked about 
You guys talked about Martian Manhunter. I think that was... We just quickly mentioned him. I think that's a little bit of Snyder just throwing everything he absolutely can at the wall. (laughs) Like, look, he's a cool character. Don't get me wrong. It was really cool seeing him shapeshift, especially both times that he did. But there just wasn't a necessity for him to be in this movie. Like this is some of the parts where I think he's one of the things that I just think could have been cut out to, to reduce this long runtime. Like he's a very cool character. I recognize that that character, that actor has been in man of steel and BVS. Like I get all that, but at the same time, it just, it felt like an unnecessary character that Snyder maybe was just trying to do a bit too much. I think if we had had the scene where he uh, shows up at Lois Lane's and that was the only time we saw him, that would have been great. The scene at the end was was a bit unnecessary. It was, it was, it was tagged so, on. It was yeah. so weird. Yeah, it was weird. And 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 no offense to the name, I get it. I know that's his real name, Marsha Manhunter, but eh, I wouldn't have kept it. I, <laughs> I wouldn't have kept it. I, I would have changed it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I like the name Iron Man, but there's not for this movie, so let's just No, no, like that that fits, no but like Martian Manhunter is such a like I mean I don't I don't know. I I, I don't know. I I, I would have changed it. I I don't know. Well <laughs> I would like to get into a couple of, of issues because I doubt this is the perfect movie for you guys. Absolutely. Um, one issue that I had that that my roommates said, including this guy sitting next to me did not necessarily see. And that's, that's okay. You know, that makes the world go round. But in my opinion, I just think this was just an absolute CGI fest and that's okay. Look, I get that you can't make Superman fly without CGI and special mm-hmm. effects. I get that you can't create Stefan Wolf. I get that a lot of the things they do, you can't do practically. Mm-hmm. I get all that. But there were scenes where people were walking down the street and there was ridiculous amount of special effects and CGI everywhere. Mm -hmm. And especially in the fight scenes, it just felt like there was so much background visual noise that it was distracting and it it kind of pulled me out a little bit. I think I just don't think the special effects, the CGI, whatever terminology you want to use, I don't think it was completely on point. And it was a little bit distracting, especially for a movie that relies so heavily on it when it's not the best it could be. It it pulled me out a bit. It's my biggest problem with the film. I'm not calling it ugly. I'm not calling it. It didn't take away from my experience. It's not a worse movie because of it. But if I had to pinpoint one semi-decent issue for me, it was especially these fight scenes, especially the one where they're trying to get to the the stack or the what are we calling it? The there where they were keeping the mother boxes and Stephen oh, Wolf was like in there. The nuclear place. Yeah, the nuclear oh. stack. Oh my god! When they were fighting, trying to get in there, it was just an absolute CGI clown <laughs> show. So um, yes, look, I, I I can understand where that doesn't bother some people. Absolutely, but. For me personally, and and a couple other YouTubers I watch, they they agree. So um, just for me, it was distracting, and it and, it was a lot. And and I'll say like with every 
and I think you're right, 100 percent on the on the CGI. Um, but like with every scene that was that I even have issues with, it was so much better than that first movie that it was really hard. Oh, to, you know what I'm saying? Like like that scene in the 2017 version where, you know, so we get to meet the townspeople like we're we're going back to them like throughout the movie. And it's like, what? what why? Like and we have Flash trying to say like. I mean, it's gone from this movie and it's so oh, it's just like like you're right. You're 100 percent right about the, the CGI and the visual effects. But because so much of the original version is either gone or fixed, it's really hard to complain about it. But that being said, I, I have some complaints and they are mainly what I will refer to as Zach isms. Um, uh, first off, this dry ass color palette. I know, I know like a lot of people don't pay attention to that thing. Like I'm, I'm a big cinematography head. Um, that shit was awful. Like, like it was really, it was really, really awful. I, I, I gotta say, um, there's no reason to make everything this, this dark and this bleak and, and all of that and this gray, like you can use gray, but when you overuse gray, it just really, I, I really like, I'm like, okay, you're basically telling me your movie's boring at that point. So I really hate that. Um, the other thing I hate was the slow motion. Like it was overused like greatly overused and some points it makes sense obviously with flash it makes sense but like there were scenes where it was just like oh these two people are fighting let's use slow motion oh this is uh in the way let's use slow motion it's like look bruh it's four hours and you're using like six scenes of slow motion like stop it it's annoying <laughs> so like those two things and then uh, some of the music choices i'm not gonna lie are a little awkward and i was gonna say when when wonder woman comes in to screen anytime during the movie ah! <laughs> i'm just like what is this like every time we gotta do that like i'm just One, once maybe twice but every right. time it's ah! <laughs> it was just weird oh like so like those are really like my 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 key complaints the other complaint which i think is probably the most significant is is down to the pacing like i get it like zach zach is one of those you know mouthful types of filmmakers you know what i'm saying you want to get everything into it but um yeah a lot of this could have been cut like i mean a lot a lot <laughs> like like if this were a two and a half hour movie i think it would still be better than the 2017 version but mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? A lot of this could have been cut. Well, and yeah, let's, oh. let's like make this perfectly evident. Everything about Zack Snyder's version is better than better. Joss Whedon. <laughs> Just because we are saying a couple of things that we are complaining about is not an attack on this movie. Mm. It's not just trying to jab at this movie. I know there's a lot of very passionate DCEU fans Please understand this is just not the perfect movie and we have to talk about some criticisms. This is great. We are just talking about some criticism. So go ahead, Brandon. Um, <clears throat> I was going to, I was going to say there are, all right. So we're talking about how we can like huge runtime. I was thinking chop as far as chopping the runtime down and still make it a good story. 
what are three scenes that you guys think we get taken out? For me, it has to be the heist scene where Wonder Woman shows up in this film. That one, I think that scene was a little too dragged out. Um, Martian Manhunter, they could have chopped him down. It would have worked if they had his scene just with Lois Lane, but take him out at the end. And then one more scene I think they could, they could have at least chopped down a little bit is, um, what's it called? I, I forget what it is, but there was one more scene I was thinking of, and I can't remember right now. Phoenix, we were just talking about three scenes we think could have been chopped down from this film. I, I said the heist scene where Wonder Woman gets introduced, uh, Martian Manhunter at the end, and I forget the third one I had, but what, what would be three for you? Well, I, I've got a little bit of an unpopular opinion here with this one. I think the the nightmare sequence went on for much longer than it needed to be, especially him and Joker arguing. Like, I love Batman. I love the Joker character. Jared Leto definitely brought himself back mm-hmm. from what he did in Suicide Squad. That was a lot of fun, but it went on for too long. Like, I, I just... This whole scene actually, like, I felt like didn't even really need to be in the movie. It wasn't a necessity. Um, so you want to have it? Fine. It, it went on too long, though, in my mind. As much as I love that first scene with Wonder Woman and beating up the terrorists, I mean, I love it. I think it's really a fantastic scene. You could totally cut it. You could totally yep. cut it. It, w- it would make a great deleted scene. Oh, yeah. But, like, you could totally cut it. Right. Especially because of when this came out, we literally just got a Wonder Woman beating up people opening scene right? in Wonder Woman 84. So I agree with that. And yeah. I think a lot of the stuff with Aquaman could have been cut as well. Uh, at the time of shooting, we did not have an Aquaman movie. Right. Unfortunately, that's not the world we live in. We have had an Aquaman movie now for years. We mm-hmm. don't need to know about his beef with the aqua people and like the fight for the throne and the amber heard scene like we don't i i, I didn't need that that's well, that, another thing that for was, me. i would argue that was a third that, scene for me i would argue that that scene is so like i like remember when we were arguing over what was the worst scene in justice league the first time my my argument was that scene that aquaman scene with with him and mira i thought it was horrible like horrible, like so did not need to be there. This time they improved upon it. It made way more sense. It was dramatic. It was beautiful. I loved it. So in that sense, obviously I have not seen Aquaman. I don't know. Maybe it is repetitive, but I I kind of am okay with that scene being there. The one scene that I would actually take out as much as I love this one as well is Flash saving the girl uh, scene. Um, you know what I'm saying? I, I get it. it. It definitely helps his character. Uh, and it's cool to see like, you know, what his, what his powers are and how we're introduced to that character. I get it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I would have cut it again. Again, would have made a great, great deleted scene. So that's, that's the only thing, but I think those two, I would have, I would have officially cut indefinitely the end scene with Martian Manhunter. I would have cut. So let's uh, let's wrap this up, guys. Let's give final scores. Brandon, why don't you go ahead and start? Okay, out of five, it's definitely a four point five out of five. I'm saying that gracefully, only because, like, I say that with like such a tough decision, 
only because of a the, the the one or two gripes that we had. Overall, I absolutely love this film much better than the Whedon cut. I will take this 10 times, a thousand times over before we, before I even touch the Whedon cut again, except just to look at like cringy dialogue and stuff. If I need to <laughs> laugh, but I'm just glad that we were able to get what we got because I don't, I, I never expected this day to come, honestly. Um, <clears throat> everyone's wanting the A or cut now for the, from suicide squad. I don't think that's going to happen. I could be wrong. I'm I'm saying it now. I will be wrong. Like I know for a fact I'm gonna be wrong because of how they released the Snyder Cut. However, the Snyder Cut was necessary for the future of the DCEU. I'm excited for the future of the DCEU only because of this film now. Um, but overall, I really enjoy this film. I'm really excited to see what comes of it. So definitely 4.5 out of five. Phoenix. Ooh, um, I actually haven't thought about this, but. I think right now I would go. I would go four, four stars out of five. Um, that may change later, but it's such a dramatic improvement over the 2017 version. Like I would say this, if they had released either a two and a half or a three hour version of this film in 2017, it would be a four star movie for me because it was just it, it was really good like and it worked and the vision was there and i totally saw it it got me excited for a lot of characters it made me fall in love with a lot of characters so i think it's not just not just the improvement over the 2017 version but also the seeing that full vision realized this was the right movie to make 100 so yeah it would be four stars for me yeah, I was going to say, it's a low four for me. Uh, it doubled the original Justice League score, which is cool to see. Yeah. For me, it's a three and a half. Um, I just, for four stars, that means it's great in my mind. And while I'm so happy that this movie exists, I think the story of it is great. The movie itself, I think, has some things that could be a little bit cleaned up to make it great in my mind. Like I said, I have some big issues with the CGI and the special effects, uh, as well as just a couple of other things that we mentioned. So it's a three and a half for me. I absolutely love that this exists. I am so happy we got to see this. This was such a huge event. So, yeah, I'm so happy we got it, but it is a three and a half for me. Love that we're all overwhelmingly positive on it. This is such a mega event, and that's great. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So we're going to go ahead and move on to our discussion for the day. And we are ranking the MCU shows that have been announced based off of our anticipation for them. We will go from last place to first place. There are 10 of them since there's four of us, and we're going to be talking about 40 different rankings. <laughs> Let's just give a sentence or two on, on why um, we'll go from least anticipated to most anticipated. 
we are including Falcon and the Winter Soldier, even though um, we are going from least anticipated to most anticipated. We are doing Falcon and the Winter Soldier, even though a couple episodes have already dropped by the time you were listening to this. So just real quick, those shows that we will be talking about are Ironheart, Moon Knight, Armor Wars, She-Hulk, Miss Marvel, Secret Invasion, What If, Loki, Hawkeye, and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, the Wakanda series has been announced. We will not be talking about that, unfortunately, as part of this ranking, as well as the Guardians of the Galaxy Groot short series uh, that I don't think should um, be headed in this way. But we're going to alternate between us, starting with 10. Brandon, why don't you go ahead first? So um, for me, it's She-Hulk as the very bottom. I, I, I'm i excited for the show, but I just – I, I haven't really looked much into it, so it's something that really doesn't seem like that would be like exciting for me. So it's just at the bottom. Same with Miss Marvel. I don't know too much about her character. That will change once it comes up to the show because then I can start learning understanding their character. Armor Wars. I'm not sure too much about that. I, I heard uh, James Rhodes is coming back. Um, Iron Heart for sure. Um, I'm excited for that. Secret Invasion, I'm assuming that's involving scrolls, and hopefully that just leads to whatever we get with all these end credit scenes that we've been getting. What If, for sure, um, What If is a huge one for me because from what we've seen, I'm excited to see all these different scenarios that we could get. Um, Hawkeye, um, Jeremy Renner, Haley Steinfeld, I think they're going to knock it out of the park. Um, Moon Knight, Oscar Isaac, I saw a video of him like, training for his role yesterday dude's getting ripped so i'm excited for that loki for number two uh, I'm, ex- I'm i'm really excited to see what they do with loki's character now that he doesn't have all these character changes from 2012 to 2018 when he died so definitely gonna be interesting to see and then we're getting it right now um, from what I've seen just from the first episode, we haven't re- been able to review it just yet, but from what I've seen the first episode, this show is going to be amazing. So definitely top of the hype list is Falcon the Winter Soldier for me right now. All right. Sounds good. Well, let's start at 10 now uh, and we'll, we'll alternate. Um, Phoenix, why don't you go ahead and kick us off of all the announced shows, excluding mm-hmm. I am Groot and Wakanda. Right. What is your least anticipated? Well, uh, I want to say, like, this is my most anticipated right now, right? So, like, it could definitely change as time moves on, as we get to see more marketing or whatever. More details come out. More details, absolutely. But right now, sitting at number 10, I'm, uh, same as Brandon, I'm going She-Hulk. Again, this is just, this is not a comic that I've read, so I don't really know much about that character, but I'm a, I am excited for it because I do want to uh, see exactly what they do with that character. But as of right now, it is my number 10. Yeah, my number 10 is What If. Um, I heard that it's what, like animated? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just don't really know much about it. Um, maybe I'll be wrong in whenever this comes out, but... As of right now, if this never comes out, it wouldn't bother me at all. My number 10 is Armor Wars. I just... 
I never think that like I, I understand the point of these TV shows. They're supposed to flesh out characters, give time to characters that we don't get time with. And Don Cheadle as War Machine, I just have never really cared for. I just don't think they ever give him anything interesting to do. Um, it was cool seeing him show up at Falcon and Winter Soldier, but that's in my mind the coolest thing he's done in the MCU. I just don't care about this character. The little bit of details they've shown just is not interesting to me. Um, so I, I, if Armor Wars never comes out, I'm more than okay with that. And, and listen here, guys, like all of our opinions are going to be different. If Armor Wars is your number one, if She-Hulk's your number one, if What If's your number one, I'm sorry. It's our opinions. Of course, our opinions are not your opinions. So let's just keep that in mind. But those are our least anticipated. So what's second last to you, Phoenix? Uh, once again, um, me and Brandon are in agreement. I am uh, going with Miss Marvel as my number nine. Uh, again, I, I actually am really, really excited for what they do with this character. I love the actress who they have for it. But um, yeah. I don't. I. I. I think I've read one Miss Marvel comic my entire life, uh, and it was good. So I am interested, but uh, yeah, I don't know enough about this character to get get super hyped over it. So that's my number nine. My number nine is also sadly Miss Marvel. Um, it just looks very from what from the promotions that I've seen. It just looks very like little kiddish. Yeah, it's just like a little kid show. Um, it probably won't be, but that's just the impression that I've gotten so far. My number nine is She-Hulk. I, I just don't like how they've handled Hulk in general in the MCU. I think Mark Ruffalo is a fantastic actor. He's one of my favorites. I think he's uh -huh. one of your favorites too. They don't know how to write Hulk so far. They don't. So if they've had years to write Hulk and they don't know how, what are they going to do with two Hulks? <laughs> the silver lining here for me is Mark Ruffalo and Tim Roth are supposed to both be in this show. Those are two of my favorite actors, so it'll be great to see them. But their track record on handling Hulk has worried me so far. And that makes me worried for this show. All right, so Phoenix, you're number eight. Let's hear it. All right, my number eight is going to be Moon Knight. Um, again, this is not a show that I am, uh, this is not a, a comic I'm familiar with. Um, I am excited for Oscar Isaac. I do think he'll, he'll kill it. And I think this is definitely one of those shows that will move up my anticipation the more I learn about it. But as of right now, I don't know enough about the character. I don't really know how he fits into the MCU. And truthfully, eh, you know, I could take it or leave it. So number eight for me is going to be Moon Knight. All right, I guess that's for me, and I guess also on the bottom of my list is She-Hulk. Um, Hulk is just such a an awkward character, like Nathan said. Love Mark Ruffalo, but um, he just ain't it as, as Hulk, and I don't know. She-Hulk just seems like Supergirl, which is just a weird spinoff of <laughs> another character. I don't know. It'd be like if they made a, a, a Captain Marvel, but a guy. I don't know. It just seems like a weird spinoff to me. But again, we'll see what happens. My number eight is What If. I think it's a very interesting premise, and I'm going to be interested to see what they do. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to matter in the MCU. 
like what they show, what they're producing is cool. Don't get me wrong, but it's not going to matter. So if it doesn't add value, it doesn't add to the lore of the MCU. At the end of the day, it's not going to get me that excited. Agreed. So my number seven right now is Hawkeye. Um, I, I love Haley Seinfeld. I really do. And I'm super excited for her. But as of right now, like seeing this character through the entire MCU, I'm not really sure exactly what direction they're going in. And I'm not sure if I like the direction they're going in. So uh, it, it's, I have interest in it, but right now it's, it's sort of low on my uh, totem pole. Yeah. My number seven is Loki. Um I don't know. This just doesn't seem like an interesting show to me at all. Again, I could be completely wrong, but everything that I've seen from this, it just doesn't interest me at all. And this is, this is one of those other shows that if it never came out, I would not be bothered by this at all. My number seven is Loki as well. I, and, and let's preface this. Nathan and I did not talk about no, these rankings we didn't. before. So we have, I have no idea what his rankings are, um, but my number seven is Loki as well. One of my biggest gripes with the MCU is they have no stakes because they don't keep characters dead. Mm-hmm. Loki is the crown jewel of that argument. He never stays dead. He always keeps coming back over and over again in the MCU. And when they finally gave him a proper death in Infinity War, oh, got to bring him back again. So it's just frustrating that they keep sacrificing um, like these great, dramatic, rich moments for, oh, got to reuse another character that's already been used. I know that there's a lot of MCU fans who love Loki. I personally have just never been in that camp. For those of you that do love Loki, great. I'm happy for you. That's just not me a show tailored around him and all the mistakes they've made with his character continuously bringing him back to life just does not interest me. Also, they have so many characters in just Marvel comics in general. So they should make some more shows out of that. Hmm. Okay. Uh, my number six is going to be secret invasion. Uh, I, I am excited for this, but, uh, I'm also like, eh, I, I like we had a discussion in our last WandaVision episode about the overuse of the scrolls, and this is 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 a a scrolls heavy story, and um, I I think I'll I'll definitely be I'll definitely check it out. I, I'm excited for it, but again, I just don't know what kind of story they're going with. And the overuse of the scrolls has kind of tampered my excitement for it. So right now it sits at number six for me. Number six for me is Ironheart. Um, I think there's about like Tony Stark scientists, right? Something like that. It's something like that. Something like that. Once again, they're making a show about another character who's dead. They have plenty of comic book characters that they could bring into the MCU that they haven't and what better way to bring a new character in than a show where they get the equivalent of like two or two or three movies so why would you not introduce a character like that um and who knows maybe they will but um yeah 
It's funny. We're, we're roommates. We did not talk about this at all. I want to reemphasize that point. Number six for me is Ironheart. I just, again, this does not interest me. We're, we're in the gaps right now of like, there's it either interests me or it doesn't. There's for me, there's not one that like, Oh, I could, I could see it. No, it either interests me or it doesn't. And unfortunately this doesn't. I said it when we were watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier. This guy's sick of hearing me say it. Even when Iron Man's dead, they never stop talking about him. And that's just frustrating. <laughs> I get that he's the crown jewel of the MCU. I get his cultural relevance. I get all of that. I love Iron Man. He's dead. Move on. Stop <laughs> bringing him up every 10 seconds. And the fact that they're making a show kind of tailored around that whole premise or idea is just so eh, to me it's going back to the well and i want to see them branch out and try new things just like wandavision which was brand new fresh ideas out of the box do that take risks stop going back to the well and that's what loki feels like that's what this feels like it's frustrating all right top five Phoenix, yeah we're here five all right, so kicking off my number five is going to be Armor Wars. Um, I love Don Cheadle as War Machine. I think he's perfect. I think he's been great. And I'm happy that there's a story centered around that character and centered around what I think is blatantly obvious that, you know, if you have Tony Stark build this Iron Man machine, that it's going to create uh, competition. And so I'm just super excited for that. I, I'm really interested into where they, they go with that story. And I think it's a lot of places it can go. So I'm, I'm pumped for Armor Wars. I was really excited when they announced it. So I really want to see exactly uh, how far they push it. Yeah, my number five is also Armor Wars. Um, I did like Terrence Howard better in this role, but I don't think Don Cheadle's bad at all. He's one of the... And, and Nathan and I talked about this with the TV shows is that Falcon wasn't really fleshed out and it gave the first episode of Falcon Winter Soldier gave him some backstory, gave him a reason for you to, to start to like the character. And that's what I hope this show is with Armor Wars is that it gives people a reason to to like one of the smaller characters. And when you watch the, the Iron Man movies, it gives you a lot better clarity on who he is as a person. My number five is Miss Marvel. I don't know a ton about this. I would prefer to keep it that way. Um, but at least this sounds like something different. It's funny that you guys both agree that it sounds a little kiddish. I, I don't even know that. So I can't disagree <laughs> or agree with that. I That's the first time I've heard that. So I hope it's not. But at the end of the day, at least it sounds like something different. And in my book, that's what I'm interested in. So I don't even know if it has ties to Captain Marvel. I don't I don't know. Like I said, I don't know anything about it. But right now that's kind of working in its benefit because the shows that I know quite a bit about, Loki, Ironheart, I don't like. So Miss Marvel's at five for me as I really know nothing other than the title. I was going to say my number four is Hawkeye. Um, what's wow, Phoenix? What's wow? Uh, 
Wow. This is just, okay. Yeah, no, go for it. <laughs> uh, once again, another character who not a lot of runtime, who I'm excited to see their backstory. I mean, Hawkeye's been in the MCU for a long time. Whether it, I think it's what, Thor or the first Avengers, one of those mm-hmm. teams that, that they introduce him. He's been in for a long time and he's never gotten, he's always in the background. Um, and, you know, I'm going to repeat myself again. What I love about these shows is they take B characters in the MCU and turn them into people who have really rich and interesting backstories. I mean, look at Wanda, look at, look at now vision, you know, even from one episode of Falcon and the winter soldier, they now have richer backstories. That's what I'm hoping for Hawkeye to be. I really hope that they give him a purpose. Um, I mean, even in, in that scene in Endgame, the first scene, it's more of like a wow sort of scene rather than a sad scene because mm-hmm. you don't really know about him or his family. And I would love to finish this show, Hawkeye, and go back and watch Endgame and be like, wow, this is devastating because of how well they write um, Cliff in that in that show. Also, they're bringing in the Young Avengers, which is super cool, especially with Tommy and Billy from WandaVision. So I'm really interested to see what they do with that. Phoenix, did you give your number four? No, my number four would be Loki. Um, I wow. am... Yeah, I am uh, excited for Loki. I do think uh, I, I I am excited as I am concerned because I think it's really challenging for an actor to who have played a role for almost six years and seen that role grow and change to having to go back to how they played it in the beginning and continue that that uh, style. I think that's going to be incredibly challenging. So I really am curious as to how Tom Hiddleston does that. I'm rooting for him. So that alone has me excited, but also the story seems very interesting. So I, and I hope we get more of the God of mischief in, in this series, you know? So uh, that's what I'm really looking forward to. So that's my number four. Well, my number four is the show we're watching right now. Falcon and winter soldier. I've really loved the first episode. Um, by the time you're listening to this, probably have seen the second one. Really just, I'm excited to see more of Falcon in particular. It's a character that I've always been a little bit intrigued with, but never really gotten to see. Loved what we saw from him in the first episode. And I love that they're bringing back Zemo. I think that that is such a realistic thing in this world. I think they write villains off and then they never bring them back and never touch them again. And I think that's so unrealistic. So the fact that they're bringing back a villain kind of strengthens the world building for me. Um, I think it's easy to say we're excited about this show since we've already seen part of it. I'm sure that's a little bit part of it, but um, nonetheless comes in at my four. I was going to say, we'll, we'll uh, halfway through, we, we change the order, but it's all good. Um, My number three is secret invasion. Um, unlike these two guys, um, mm-hmm. I don't think that the scrolls have been overused. I think they are interesting and I want to, it's not that I want to see more of them. It's that I don't care not to see more of them. If that makes sense, like I'm happy either way that they go. Um, Samuel Jackson as Nick Fury in this is going to be exciting, especially with that whole theory of he was a scroll for, 
half of half of the MCU. So I think that'll be really exciting. Um, and like I said, I don't think that scrolls have been overused as of right now. So it'll be interesting to see how they use them in this show. My number three is Secret Invasion. I think this is a series that works a lot better as a movie. I can't believe that this is a show instead of a movie because the whole, the biggest thing the scrolls do is this secret invasion. And I'm just not sure this whole premise lends itself to a show as much as it would be a movie. Um, I do think the scrolls have been overused to this point, but considering this is their biggest thing in the comics, um, I don't even read the comics and I know that <laughs> is, is exciting in and of itself. Ben Mendelsohn and Samuel Jackson are, are the stars, two phenomenal actors. That's one thing that they have going for them that some of the shows at the bottom of my list don't. Um, this sounds really, really interesting and is actually an idea that I can get behind. Okay. Uh, my number three is going to be Ironheart. Um, this is one of the few of these announced shows whose comic I've actually read and followed. So I know this character. I am so excited for everyone to get to experience Ironheart. I think it's a great way to continue the Iron Man legacy. Uh, I, like, I, I would not be surprised, honest to God, I would not be surprised if Ironheart ends up being my favorite of all the Disney plus Marvel shows. Uh, I think it has that potential. I think it's fantastic. Such a great, great story, an original story. It's going to be, it's, I think it's really going to like completely change the way uh, the earth story of the MCU is, uh, is talked about. I'm super excited for it. So Ironheart is my number three uh, most anticipated. I guess it's me. Okay. So number two is Moon Knight. Um, I don't really know too much about this other than Oscar Isaac's going to be the the lead. Love, love Oscar Isaac. He got uh, shafted in, in the sequel trilogy. But um, I, I think the name sounds cool. I don't know much about it. But um, I just think it sounds cool in general. Um, and Oscar Isaac being in it is, is cool as well. So the intrigue and the mystery of, of Moon Knight is is what is getting me excited. My number two is Hawkeye. I really think that the whole premise of like a, a mentor and a mentee, they're lining this up perfectly. I think Clint especially training his daughter to take on the role that he did or an additional role. I just think that's so cool. Um, I think Hawkeye is going to be a great mentor too eventually Kate Bishop. Um, I just, I really like this. This is a show that personally I've just been so intrigued with. Um, Hawkeye is a character that has been here since the beginning, but has not get too, gotten too much time. I'm just really looking forward to this. I'm really looking forward to this. This is, this is something I'm just so excited for. All right. My number two is the one that we are watching right now. And that is Falcon and the winter soldier. I am super excited about this show. Um, I, I love these two characters. Uh, I love that we're going back to that, uh, you know, political thriller sense of, of, uh, of, uh, civil war, I'm sorry, not civil war, uh, the, the Captain America winter soldier movie. Um, so I'm really excited to dive into that. I think it's the best, uh, place to go from where we were with WandaVision. 
uh, back into like, you know, this, uh, the real world of, of the MCU and what's happening with these two essential characters uh, to this story. So I'm super excited uh, for, for this in particular. So this is my number two. Yeah. And my number one is we get the hindsight of this one and that is Falcon and the winter soldier. The first episode was fantastic. Perfect mix of action as well as backstories um, for these characters. So super excited to see where, they go from here, um, and and just to, just to say Phoenix because a lot of the shows that were lower on my list are higher on your list. <laughs> this was not a show that I was excited for um, as much as I am now. Mm. Um, I just thought it was going to be going to be solid, not really anything too great or too bad. But I'm really hyped for it. So you never know; anything can turn around. Word. All right. Well, my number one is Moon Knight. I just think this is such a cool premise. They've kind of described Moon Knight as a character as just this rogue hunter who is is almost similar to Batman. I just think that's so cool. Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke, both supposed to, to be in this show. Ethan Hawke as the villain, Oscar Isaac in the lead. I just think that sounds so incredible. Um, this is, again, I'm not too familiar with, mood night and that story as a whole but my goodness oscar isaac and ethan hawk signed me up that sounds so much fun and and just the premise of it sounds so cool it was very easy for me to put this at number one for my personal rankings uh, so at my number one uh i am going with what if this is the thing that i am the most excited for um i love that they're doing an animated series. I love that we're going to be looking at different scenarios within the MCU. I think it's just the most insane and creative way to, to you know, rehash what we've already known and then just take it in a new direction. So I am super excited for it. You got Jeffrey Wright nominating. So I'm like, yes, all the way on this. Uh, it's, it's by far the thing I'm most excited about. So that's, my number one is what if sweet all right well that is our mcu shows ranked by excitement hopefully your list looks a little bit different or even if it doesn't hopefully one of us was able to to help get the right list for you all right so we're moving on it is that time Ben, it has been Phoenix's code word for two weeks now. <laughs> so, finally happy we've been able to get around to it. Maybe I can build my lead even further. Phoenix, Yikes. please remind everyone what your code word was. All right, so just a rehash. Uh, currently, Nathan sits at 11 points. Uh, Nick is at eight. I myself am at six. And Brandon is at three. Or no, two? Two or three. I can't remember. I'll have to double check. But so here it is. Here's my code word. My code word this week was Espanol. Uh, your clues were 2000 to 2010. 
it featured a problematic director and one of your actors has been in phase two of the MCU. So, Brandon, you are first to guess. What do you got? What is your pick for the code word this week? Um, as far as, all right, so when I heard Espanol, I said, okay, there's got to be a, a few movies I can work with. Um, Ant-Man, I think, is the second to last in the Phase 2 lineup, and that, I, I don't mean to stereotype here, but he's a Latin American um, actor, and I've noticed Michael Pena, he speaks Spanish sometimes. So um, when I was looking at his, I, I got to pull it up because I forgot the, the name. But um, um, when I was looking at his IMDb, I scrolled through and I'm not sure too, I'm not sure too much about um, problematic directors. Mm. But um, when I was looking at it, I was thinking, OK, Michael Pena is in this movie and the years match up. So I'm going to have to go with Crash 2004. Mm. Excellent choice. Excellent choice. All right, Nick, you are next up. What did you pick for the code word? I was going to say, I hate to be that person, but I just didn't have time to pick anything. I, Like I said, I hate to be that person, but it was just just didn't, didn't have time to sit down and, and knock it out. So I apologize, but just wasn't wasn't my week. <laughs> you wanna you wanna ride uh Brandon's crash guest then? No, I'm good. <laughs> All right. Nathan, you have the lead. What did you pick? It's funny, I was between two. Um I was between Babel with Brad mm, Pitt. Right. And I was Crash was the one I was not feeling as good about, but I had forgotten that it was phase two. Mm-hmm. And um Kate Blanchett is in Babel and she is obviously in Thor Ragnarok. That's a phase three movie. So mm. does not fit. I'm gonna ride that wave and go with crash. Um, oh, it better not be crash. I'm gonna ride that wave. <laughs> I don't necessarily know if the director is problematic, but maybe because crash was such a controversial win, maybe mm. that's problematic in and of itself. Oh, no. So that's what I'm going with. <laughs> oh, no. All right. So I am happy to report that no one gets a point this week. Thank yes. Oh, yes. Thank yes. So uh, your movie is from 2007. Uh, your actor who appeared in this uh, phase two of the MCU. Actually, this movie features two of them. It is the first appearance of Scarlett Johansson in Iron Man 2. And also that same movie stars Rebecca Hall, who... Uh, is in this movie with the problem problematic director Woody Allen, who uh, if you're paying attention to the uh, uh, Allen Farrell documentary currently on HBO, this is not a this is not going well for Woody Allen. But uh, that movie is Vicky Cristina Barcelona. That is where the Espanol comes from. Also stars Javier Bardem and Penelope Cruz. That is your oh, code okay. word this week. Yes, this is uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. I, I happen to love it, even though uh, Woody Allen is definitely 100% problematic. But uh, yes, Vicky Cristina Barcelona, that is your code word 
this week. Great guesses, though, guys. Love that you Great went with Crash. Nick. Woo! Right, right. <laughs> Nick, Nick dodged the bullet there. <laughs> not, not jumping on board. That's Great right. job. <laughs> I mean, it's not like we lost a point or anything. Right, right. But it was good guesses. I appreciate it. All right. We got to get up on out of here. It's been fun talking about Justice League and the MCU. Brandon, why don't you tell everyone where they can find you? You guys can find me at F-A-N-T-A-S-M-I-C ears on Twitter and Letterboxd. I am logging my films. Um, I plan to write a review for the Justice League whenever I get time. Hopefully that's soon. Um, it will be on our film code website whenever I get it up. But be sure to check out our website. Um, it's brand spanking new, a couple weeks mm-hmm. old. So be sure to check us out. Give us some clicks. Get the get the page boosted. But thank you guys again for listening. Um, thank you guys for again for letting me be on I'm, i know i'm sorry for for the hiatus i've been on but i am starting my own segment um i don't have really anything to announce just yet but i have some stuff in the works so be sure to listen out for that thank you guys again for having me Woo. phoenix oh my name is phoenix cloud and guys you can find me on twitter at imho reviews one that's the number one and on letterbox under pa Clouden. and please follow the show on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Film Code Pod. I can't wait to see you guys, and I will see you next week. And I'm Nick, and you can find me on Letterbox at Nick Spain. Uh, Nathan and I just finished the Lord of the Rings trilogy last week. We're going to be banging out the best 100 movie posters of all time. So we got a lot to get through, and you'll find all of my thoughts on my Letterbox. Woo! All right. My name is Nathan Pig. It's been a pleasure to have you guys here listening to us today. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Phoenix. Thanks, Nick. Like these guys mentioned, we are on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, at Film Code Pod. If you could please check us out over there. Really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Check out our other episodes. This has been Film Code. Peace.